The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome to the Christine Upchurch Show here live on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. Thank you for joining us here today. We're grateful to have you here. Um, If you're listening live, it's Friday the 13th. Um, And if you're listening after the fact, you might be listening on one of the dozens of podcasts that sends up or on ChristineUpchurch.com. But whatever and wherever, I think it's going to be a lucky interview. Um, But first, I want to say hello to the man behind the technology who allows you to hear these wonderful conversations, Mr. Benny Matters. Hey, Benny. Hi, Christine. Happy uh, Friday the 13th back at you. I haven't seen any black cats today. haven't walked under any ladders. (laughs) Uh, All the mirrors seem to be intact. We're good to go. Yeah, and (laughs) um, unfortunately, we're we're still at ground zero of what has turned into the spread of Mm COVID-19 here in our country. And I think that our topic today is oh so relevant for vibrant health. We are going to be talking about the life-changing science of spontaneous healing. I'm really excited about our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. Um, He is an MD, an MDiv, I don't know what that is. He's on the faculty of Harvard Medical School, the medical director of McLean's Southeast Adult Psychiatry and Community Affairs at McLean Hospital. He's the chief of behavioral medicine at Good Samaritan Medical Center. He's a licensed physician and board-certified psychiatrist. He's also got a Master of Divinity from Princeton, um, the Princeton's Theological Seminary, which I find so fascinating as a combination here. His research with remarkable individuals who have recovered from illness, considered incurable, has been featured on Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Oz, among other shows, and on, on Christine Upchurch now as well. And his new book is fascinating in the inspiring and and really well-written. is called Cured, the Life-Changing Science of Spontaneous Healing. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome. Well, thank you. You know, um, I'm always fascinated by how somebody gets from their childhood situation to bring in a specific type of wisdom to the world. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be inspired to not only research this, but to share it with a wider audience. Yes. Well, we all have stories, don't we? So I was raised, (laughs) the stories are fascinating. So I come from an Amish background. I grew up, uh, we left the Amish community when I was two years old. uh, And so we left outwardly, but not so much inwardly. Mm. I was raised in a very rural situation. Uh, We, uh, I went to public school, but at home is a very different environment. Um, we didn't have much access to TV or radio. Um, we had very different beliefs about 
knowledge in the world versus the uh, important knowledge from the Bible. Uh, knowledge of the world was suspect. Um, our mother made our clothing for the most part. Uh, we, uh, she did. We grew our own wheat. She did use a stone grinder to make our flour, and so we had fabulous muffins and pancakes and bread and that sort of thing. Mm, but uh-huh. it's very restrictive in a lot of other ways. So. I had a lot of questions as a kid, especially since I was going to public school during the day, and um, the home environment really questioned a lot of the uh, teaching that I was getting uh, in school. Uh So I left all of that to go to college, uh, which was a rebellious thing to do for sure, Uh, Mm. but but, uh, that's what I did, and then the whole course of college uh, was a great place for me to begin asking questions. And I had my fiance and my grandfather died when I was a sophomore on the same day, which was a mm-hmm. devastating blow for me. But what that did was it 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 really uh, heightened my need for questions. And I had mm-hmm. a lot of questions about uh, faith and what's true. And that drove me into seminary at Princeton and became a wonderful opportunity to really pursue my questions more deeply. Right. But then by the time I finished seminary, I was convinced that science was a fabulous gift to the world. I did my uh, my training in seminary on theology and philosophy of science. So I went real deep into, uh-huh. the, into the structures of how we know what's true in the world. And, uh-huh. and so then um, after that, I mean, the, the little side story here is that I was back in Indiana where I was raised for a weekend, and my best friend's mom from high school said, well, what are you going to do with all that education? And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to be a college professor. And she said, you're going to get all that college education and not do something to help people? (laughs) So the world world it came from really saw things differently. Right. And so when I finally said that I would go to med school, everybody in my world back there re- was relieved because that made more sense to them. And mm-hmm. and it turned out the med school was a great fit for me. Um, and then the effort to begin putting together these worlds and uh, it has been, it's been the questions driving me. So that was, that's a little bit of how that all started years ago. And you went into psychiatry and, uh, you know, considering you went into, you became an MD and you had that background in theology that makes perfect sense to me. But what got you interested in people who had so-called spontaneous healings? So in 2002, shortly after I had graduated from residency and I was a new and young medical director at McLean and on the faculty at Harvard, I had a nurse come to me from Mass General as an oncology nurse who had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and she wanted my help to discuss this diagnosis with her son, mm-hmm. which, I, which I did. And then she began calling me from a healing center saying that she was seeing some amazing recoveries, and she thought I should look into it. She thought I was the perfect person to look into this since I was a physician and also trained in in theology. and. Uh-huh. And I said no. <laughs> I doubted that anything real was going on. And yeah, you know, medicine—you're trained in a very specific and powerful way of viewing the world. Of course. But Nikki was persistent. She began having people 
call me from around the country and elsewhere saying that they had medical evidence for the recoveries and did I want to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. And so I continued to say no, but the upshot is eventually as these um, letters came in and and people started sending me their sometimes they sent me their medical files, I began to realize, wow, there's something here that doesn't make sense. These people, some of these people have medical evidence for something inexplicable. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I did begin looking into that. And it's been a long journey since then that's changed my life personally and professionally in every way. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I I personally had an, an experience when I was much younger where I healed of the early stages of lymphoma without any medical treatment. Doctors had really? nothing to offer me except what would be long-term, ongoing, <laughs> indefinite really? chemotherapy. And it was a wait-and-watch kind of thing because they said, you know what, early treatment's not beneficial. We find it tends yeah. to shorten the person's lifespan. So there I was, and, and I had this amazing awakening. as a former research statistician. It was like it kind of opened my eyes. And that's really? wild mild compared to people like Anita Morjani who are on their deathbeds and some of the people you talk about in your book where we're talking stage four cancers and and diabetes and and illnesses that conventional medicine says really can't be cured. Right. So, you know, considering that that's the, the mindset of the doctors you were probably hanging out with, um, Mm. Did, did you have to deal with some inner turmoil about venturing that direction? Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed to say that my own fear about going into these stories deeply and looking at the real medical evidence, certainly um, there was an aspect of this where I was worried about doing that because of what my colleagues would think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, science is about the discovery of truth. And so... Um, Science shouldn't have that kind of uh, contaminant with it, but it did for me for a while. And mm-hmm. once I started then seeing the power of uh, these stories and the fact that people had gotten better and their medical evidence supported it, uh, it took me even longer before I was ready to publish the results. And so what mm-hmm. I've learned is that these stories are buried in our culture, and they don't usually have a voice because they it wasn't the doctors and the medications that got these people better. And right. it's it's a really, these, you know, I'm, I'm a psychiatrist, a medical director at a psychiatric hospital, and I'm the chief of behavioral medicine at a medical hospital. So I mm-hmm. see every day what we are teaching patients to do. And having that counterpoint with these remarkable stories with medical evidence, hardcore medical evidence for recovery from incurable medical illnesses, really has been a counterpoint to what I see we are doing with patients every day. And these people got better doing things really differently than we're typically, than we are typically teaching patients. And so that's why I've become convinced this is really important information. And these stories are not only inspiring, they're really important stories for helping us understand what causes healing. And I find this a really fascinating topic. And I think that, um, I've been thinking a lot about tribalism lately, how tribalism yeah. can be really good when we, we're connecting with people um, yeah. in a positive way, but oftentimes the tribalism will keep us stuck in our mindset. And Carolyn yeah. May said something decades ago that in order to change the tribe, somebody has to leave the tribe, either be banished or choose yeah. to leave. 
and right. develop and then come back into the tribe. So it seems to me from that perspective, you're offering something not only that's very hopeful to the world at large, but a way to change the tribe of conventional medicine. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think, yes, I think that's right. I think we need people who stand on the periphery of things and just simply see things differently. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm actually now, even though things were very difficult when I was young, I'm actually grateful for every bit of that because yeah. it was a different culture. And then having to travel through these different subcultures as I went to college and then seminary and med school and converted to Eastern Orthodox Christianity and left the fundamentalism of my childhood, all of these different subcultures, they have a piece of the truth, but not the whole truth. And mm-hmm. it's really the effort to try to understand what is the whole truth, the bigger truth here that has been really liberating and healing. And such a courageous courageous question, what is the truth? When we return, um, we're going to hear some of these amazing stories and learn what, what Dr. Rediger has to say about patterns and how that can help you to heal. Stay tuned for more here on the Christine Upchurch Show. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? 
there are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm really grateful to be having a conversation today with Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. And, oh my goodness, the stories in your book, um, I tell you, Sometimes what I do, particularly when the books are a little longer, you know, I have to read at least one book a week for this show, and of course I'm reading <laughs> other books. Um, I was glued to this, and, and I was bound and determined to finish this at 2 o'clock in the morning because it was fascinating. So you started to explore how people have these healings that conventional medicine has not been able to explain or had been able to explain any of it at that point. Um, mm. And... When you began to explore it, what did you find? Well, it was, it's been quite a journey for sure. So I write about the four pillars of healing and well-being. And, mm-hmm. and, and so not every single person pattern, followed this pattern. I've studied well over 100 people at this point, mm-hmm. and I've gone very deep into their lives. I, and maybe I should preface by saying that I, I was a skeptic when all this started, I doubted that anything real was going on, and so I told people who were calling me that I wasn't even going to look at their stories unless they had genuine evidence for illnesses that we consider incurable. And so uh-huh. the book is really full of in discussions about incurable illnesses, pancreatic cancer, glioblastoma multiform, the worst mm-hmm. form of brain cancer, et cetera. Yeah. And, and, so, so, uh, and so I said... You've got to have medical evidence for incurable illness. That was the first criteria. The uh-huh. second criteria is that they had, it, I mean, it had to be an incurable illness. It couldn't just be something where they, that some people can get better from occasionally. And then the third uh-huh. criteria was there couldn't be an experimental medication or anything else that could potentially explain how they got better. Right. So once people passed those criteria, then I was willing to listen to their story. And it's been astonishing to see the patterns that are consistent across all these different illnesses. And what it has taught me is that, as doctors, we specialize in body parts. If you're, a, yeah. if you like, if you're interested in the heart, you specialize in. You're a cardiologist. If you're interested right. in the brain, you become a psychiatrist. If you're interested in uh, the gastroenterology, in our GI systems, then um, you're a gastroenterologist. But, but what we don't do so well is stand back and look at the forest instead of the trees. Mm-hmm. If a person has a medical problem, we send them to a doctor. If, we, if a person has a psychological problem, we send them to the psychotherapist. If a, problem has a, if a person has a spiritual problem, we send them to the priest, rabbi, imam, or minister. Right. But, but the way these people got better was, was really understanding the interaction between all these different aspects of their being and, and integrating that into something that gave them life and vitality and an understanding of their value that ended up being really important part of their healing. And so they paid attention to all these dimensions. I think when we go see the experts in any of these different dimensions, uh-huh. that can be helpful, but if they don't take off the blinders of their discipline that they've been trained in and look at the whole person and look at the whole picture, the advice they give you is going to be limited in terms of helping you find a path towards the real holistic 
vitality that you need and deserve. Mm, yeah, and it, it gave me chills when you were talking about um, integrating all aspects of who we are because I, I'm, I'm very frustrated at this point with some of the beliefs surrounding spirituality, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reading a book about that. And I think that thinking in terms of mind, body, and spirit has been helpful in a sense, saying, okay, each yeah. part is important, but it's yes. also that compartmentalization, whether it's you know compartmentalizing between one doctor and another doctor yeah. or compartmentalizing right. between mind and emotions and, and body and right. spirit, it, it doesn't allow for that holistic yeah. approach, and, and the, the sum is yeah. much greater than the part. Yep, it's absolutely true. And so the experts have a lot of helpful knowledge, but if our experts don't stand back and look at the forest for the trees and see the okay. whole person and understand the real story of your soul, then you're not going to have the whole, you're going to have to either do a lot of work on your own or find someone who can help you with that. Because, and another piece uh, that I think is really important is that the spirit of who we are, the, the thing that mm-hmm. animates us and drives these different aspects of our being, it's not just one piece of the pie. It infuses the whole thing. It infuses our body, our minds, our intellects, and all of us. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you can't just divide these things up that simply. Yeah. And one of the, the words that you use in your book that, that feels important, and I know for a long time it was a buzzword, but it, I think it's essential to this puzzle, as you've pointed out, is authenticity. Yeah, Why is absolutely. that important on a healing journey? Well, so what's been fascinating to me, so there's these, there's these four pillars of healing and well-being, and the, the one you're raising right now is the, the pillar of identity and healing our beliefs. It has been so interesting to me. One of the most common things that people have said to me over the years is that it took an illness for them to wake up and realize that they needed to stop taking care of everyone else. They needed to stop responding to the perceived expectations of others and instead focus on what creates life and well-being within them, where they knew their purpose, where they knew their value. Right. It's, it's astonishing to me how many people, when they got diagnosed with cancer or a life-threatening illness, actually experienced part of that as a relief because people would say, wow, now I can focus on myself because I have yeah. an excuse to focus on myself. I don't have to just take care of my kids or just take care of my husband or my parents or whatever. I have an excuse to finally focus on what creates life and well-being within me or to not go to med school because my parents wanted me to go. I mean, it's fascinating to me how that's the beginning of an authentic life. And then what I've learned is if you die to an old version of yourself in such a way that a new, truer expression of who you really are can be born, Uh well, it turns out sometimes you don't need to die physically yet. I mean, it's astonishing Uh to me. Yeah. And... And that's really profound. And, and I think the, the, the thing that I love about that so much isn't that physical healing can follow. It's that um, by getting rid of, of that extraneous, you know, yeah. Yeah. approval-seeking and that's pleasing right. and things that, are, that don't satisfy us, right. it can help us to thrive on multiple levels. Yes, it's absolutely true. I think a lot of people are going through life with a 100-pound backpack that they're carrying because they're trying to meet the expectations of others instead of living their own real life. Yeah. As my friend Gabor Monte says, he's not too far north of you up in British Columbia. He says, uh-huh. 
if you don't know how to say no, your body will eventually say no for you. And I think (laughs) both in the psychiatric hospital and in the medical hospital, I believe that I treat people every day, many, many people who don't know that they need to say no yet, and they don't know what to say yes to. Right. And, oh, my gosh, that's that's so important. And I've been there, done that. Um, Mm. It's a part of my own life story. And I suspect Uh, that in many cases, for many people, at least in Western culture, that's the case. Yes, um, I think so. Have you experienced that yourself? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's different levels I could talk about that, and I would love to hear your story sometime because you have such an important story, it sounds like yourself. You know, I was a confused, hurt kid when I left home um, and went to college, and when I look at the different photos of me over the years, mm-hmm. I'm a different person now, physiologically, psychologically, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it's these stories that are so inspiring. I think as doctors, we are taught to not give false hope, and that's important, and there's a place for that. Uh-huh. But it's so important that we also know how to give people grounded, ethical hope rooted in real medical evidence. Yes. And as I have learned to heal the uh, inner conflicts in my own life, as I have listened to these stories and I've been inspired to change my nutrition, to uh, to understand the value that every one of us brings into the world and to not question that, that has changed me physiologically as well. I mean, I look back at the pictures where I was 40 pounds heavier and uh-huh. and and my numbers were going up, cholesterol and blood pressure and, and you know, I was aging. And mm-hmm. now I'm younger than I was a long time ago. And, and I, I think that I know that's because these stories have changed the way I understand myself and the way I understand the universe. These people tell me, they said it took an illness for them to wake up and realize that they weren't who they thought they were and Mm -hmm. to stop questioning that. We're going to go to another quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about the other pillars of health. And eventually we're also going to chat with how to deal with the anxiety of a pandemic. Stay tuned for more here on the Christine Upchurch Show. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. This is Debbie Pokornik with a break-free parenting tip. If you haven't been practicing active listening or not getting into some bad habits, it's a good idea to go back to the basics and remind yourself how to be a good listener. Here's an idea that might help. When your child comes to you with a story about her day, set aside whatever you're doing and give her your full attention. 
If you're in the middle of something that can't be put aside, tell her that you really want to be able to give her story your full attention and ask if you could continue the conversation at a specific time. So for example, this sounds like an important story and I'd really like to give it my full attention. Can we talk about it in 10 minutes when supper's in the oven? Active listening might sound like common sense, but often it's these simple skills that get buried in our parenting pack and easily forgotten or overlooked. Challenge yourself to practice this skill for a full week and see if you notice a difference in how much your child is sharing. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm really enjoying my conversation today with the author of Cured, The Life-Changing Science of Spontaneous Healing, Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. You know, Jeffrey, um, you were talking about um, one of the pillars of healing. Yeah. What are the other pillars? So one of the other pillars is nutrition and and. I started off and cured talking about that uh, fairly early on because most of the people I studied did make deep changes in nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone did. I mean, I, I also purposely told the story of some people who didn't make nutritional changes, but they did heal their identities and their beliefs at a deep level, and that that took them where they needed to go. Mm-hmm. But nutrition, um, 88% of uh, people who have these spontaneous healings do make deep nutritional changes. Um, and even though the nutritional changes they make can look different on the surface level, mm-hmm. underneath there's a lot of similarity. And so what I found is that whether a person goes all plant-based or if they go more with a ketosis diet, what's common for those very different diets at one level is that most of the people I studied eliminated processed foods, they eliminated most sugar, uh, uh-huh. and they eliminated refined flours often. Uh, some, some people would make exceptions once in a while, like say on a weekend or something, some people wouldn't. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, but the, the real common point for these people was 
processed foods needed to go because there's just too many toxins. They're not real food. They're nutritionally depleted. And people felt like they needed to put dense nutrition into their bodies. And so Mm -hmm. what I've learned is that what I've interpreted from these these stories that people have talked to me about for so many years is that you don't need – it's not about calorie counting. It's not about reading labels. It's not about – having a certain portion of things on your plate. It's more about getting the foods into your body that are nutritionally dense, that are loaded with all the phytochemicals and the minerals and the vitamins that your body needs to flourish to give your immune system the cells, um, to give your the cells in your immune system what they need to flourish and be really vital and crisply efficient. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's that's been an important part of that. Uh, there are some people that eat meat, but uh-huh. they they said that it's important to not eat. I mean, they said to eat animals that were happy when they were alive, not mm, not right. flooded with stress hormones, not yeah. not full of chemicals, grass fed, so you get the healthier fats. Mm-hmm. So yeah, makes sense. And um, yeah. one of the things I find fascinating is not one diet heals even the exact right. same type of cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's fascinating is I never realized. When I started making these changes myself, I had a difficult time initially because I didn't realize how addicted to sugar I was. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's all about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well over 100 years ago, we ate two to four pounds of sugar a year on average, and right. now we eat 152 pounds of oh sugar my. a year on average. And so our bodies are flooded with so much sugar. Sugar's in so many of the processed foods that we buy that we're not even aware that have sugar mm-hmm. or corn syrup. Um, right. And uh, our bodies just can't handle it. Our, we don't have the hardware to handle that kind of sugar or that degree. So just out of curiosity, because I think this is an important topic, I know it's an aside, how did yeah. you release that addiction? It was, for me, a process. Um, I, I initially thought that I eat pretty well. You know, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. I um, am in the hospital a lot. And I think what's true is I just didn't really consciously count all the brownies and the slices of pizza and the cookies that I would pick up in the nurse station regularly. And, uh-huh. and now um, when I talk to patients, almost everyone, patients and nurses and doctors that I work with, when I ask them questions about nutrition, most of us think we eat pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. And and I look at what we actually eat, and most of us don't, actually. And I was uh-huh. there myself. And so I, I know that most of us think we eat healthy. I've had yeah. to go on a long journey to begin understanding genuine nutrition. And I think that it's uh, – and so the, to answer your question, um, I had to begin realizing, oh, this is really hard to give up. I really had craving at first. I don't have cravings for – sugar and cookies and that stuff anymore because that's just not something that even and now it tastes too sweet and uh-huh. it tastes like it has a lot of chemicals and I don't feel as good afterwards. Right. But and I feel like my taste buds have come alive. But it was a transition because it took me a while to realize how addicted I was and so I had to just learn to lay it aside and replace my diet with really nutritionally dense foods. And now I feel much better, and I have a lot more energy, and I would not want to go back to that old life again. Mm, interesting. 
Okay, so you've talked about a nu- nutrition. What's another pillar of health? Another pillar is that we need to heal our immune systems. And this gets into some research that I talk about in Cured that's going to transform medicine in the next number of years. It has not, the research base is very strong now, but it takes a long time. It takes 30 years, they often say, for what is found to be true in the lab to get all the way down into clinical and hospital-based medicine. So that's way too long for most of us. 30 years. there's There's a lot of things that keep medicine from changing. There's medical legal concerns. There's all kinds of things. Doctors are forced to practice in a way that all doctors practice. And if you step outside of that, there's a lot of things that can happen, whether it's medical legal or ostracism by peers or you won't get reimbursed by insurance. There's a lot of factors that keep doctors kind of taking the same line uh, altogether. But what I've learned is, and this is about standing back and seeing the whole picture again, a person doesn't have a diabetes problem, a blood pressure problem, a heart problem, a a cancer problem, or an autoimmune problem. More fundamentally, a person has a chronic inflammation problem. Mm, And if you want to lower the amount of inflammation in your body, then you've got to heal your immune system. And that's and so that's a whole different thing. So how do you go about healing your immune system? So so we all have these brilliant immune systems and for the last especially 80 years or so we have actually had a an approach in medicine where we uh, suppress the immune system whether it's with chemotherapy agents sure. um, that are chemo suppressants or immune suppressants or when a person has a fever we try to medicate the fever and bring that down. Mm-hmm. Certainly you want to bring down dangerous fevers, but what we know from animals, for example, when they have a, when animals are sick and have a fever, they actually move, if they can, to a warmer spot where they elevate the temperature, and that is an effort to really unleash the superpowers of the immune system. We have all of these brilliant cells and cell subtypes that want to do their job crisply and efficiently, but we need to have a whole different approach to help unleash those powers. So it was actually a case of spontaneous remission that started us down the path a number, uh, several years ago, of beginning to rethink the way we treat cancer, for example. And now we have this whole developing line of um, efforts with chemotherapy agents that are uh, just starting to develop pathways to help the immune system do its job better rather than suppress the immune system. And that will continue to be an amazing shift that comes forward. It's interesting. Um, I've got a friend who's had um, cancer, and she had gone for some alternative treatment, and she'd had a port put in, and she got a a blood infection. And it was really difficult for her to heal from it, but, but she did. And then she said, by the way, I found out that that was really good news, that I'd gotten that blood infection and healed from it because... Yes. That's supposed to help with cancer, and I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense until I read your book. Yes. Share the story about um, how that person healed um, after that infection. Yeah, so the immune system does a lot more than just get rid of infections. It keeps it, it kills the mutating cells that become cancer before they become cancer. It is what uh, helps your body be healthy so you don't have the heart disease or the diabetes. All of these... Um, problems that we call, uh, whether it's congestive heart failure or um, 
arthritis or depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder or many of the illnesses that people suffer from and all of the major killers are diseases of inflammation. And so it's just a question of which body part is the weakest that first manifests as a disease. And so lowering the amount of inflammation in your body is a huge deal. And that's all about the immune system. If you are, for example, having uh, sugar coursed through the veins of your capillaries and your endothelial system a lot, those um, sharp little granules of sugar make these microvascular cuts in the endothelium in the inside of your um, uh, arteries and veins. And so your immune system goes to work trying to repair all those little microcuts. Uh-huh. And so a lot of energy is expended trying to repair those. So what we used to think was a cholesterol problem is actually just a symptom of the deeper problem of inflammation. And if your immune system is spending all of this energy trying to repair that, those cuts, then you end up developing scars on top of scars on top of scars, and that becomes what hardens the arteries and makes them less flexible and creates cardiovascular disease. So, so how could fighting an infection help with the whole immune system? Yes. So what happens in, so what we know, and I tell the story and cured about um, Dr. Coley uh, back a number of years ago, he uh, realized as he was doing his research that if a person got an infection at just the right time when they had cancer, that had the um, possibility of firing up the immune system to fight that infection and in doing so, sometimes it kicked out the cancer. And so that was wow. an astonishing finding. And so he began to research that and had fascinating findings. But that was also the day when chemotherapy agents were being developed. Mm-hmm. And it was just the beginning of our discovery that, oh, we can make these medications that do really powerful things. And so his research was laid aside because he was the right idea at the wrong time. And and so the chemotherapy approach took over. And so we began to suppress the immune system and so suppress fevers instead of unleashing the superpowers of the immune system. And so mm-hmm. now we're just starting to return to that idea. And we're in the early stages of revisiting that and realizing this is going to be a really important path. Mm-hmm. And you share a fascinating story in there where, um, you know, somebody was cut open to take out just one tumor and um, the, the body was riddled with other two tumors and they went about their business and lived for many, many years. Um, yes. So you have to wonder if just the whole healing process getting triggered can yes. kick in the healing of cancer. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Yep. It is, it's fascinating. Yep. Yep. The immune system is a huge deal in learning how to take all of these brilliant cells and cell subtypes and fire them up and help them flourish. Because what we know is if a person, and this gets into the third pillar of healing and well-being, if, if we don't heal our stress response, then what we know is that many of us live in chronic fight, flight, or freeze. And mm-hmm. bodies that are secreting lots of stress hormones constantly, um, cortisol, norepinephrine, adrenaline, if those hormones those neuropeptides are flooding your body much of the time, your immune system becomes numb and sluggish. And so learning how to heal your stress response is another important thing that the people I studied did. 
And that's no. something we're going to need to hear all about um, after this break because I think a lot of people's stress levels are particularly high right now. Uh, but we have to go to a quick break. Stay tuned for more about Cured. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back. Uh, before we go any further, Jeffrey, can you please share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you? What's your website? Uh, DrJeffreyRediger.com. So it's D-R-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. R-E-D-I-G-E-R dot com. Okay, great. All right, so <laughs> you, you used the S word before the break, stress. Uh, yes. And in your book, you go into detail about what happens when we get stressed, and um, I, I'm kind of curious, from a physiological perspective, fairly quickly, you know, how does stress affect our bodies? So that's a great question, and I... 
I think I should probably preface this by saying that not all stress is bad. We all need challenge stress to uh, help us reach um, and learn and grow, I think. I mean, running a marathon can be great stress, can be challenge stress, Mm -hmm. if we perceive it as an opportunity, if we perceive it as an opportunity to reach into our higher self and expand our understanding of what we're capable of. But that's a very different kind of stress and a very different physiology than being in a toxic relationship, for example, or if you go to work every day and leave feeling depleted and run down, questioning your value and worth. That then is toxic stress, and a person needs to, at that, in that kind of situation, I believe, either needs to change the environment or change their relationship with the environment. The... Uh, physiology of toxic stress, it really gets into the uh, the bathing of our immune system and our bodies and minds with cortisol, um, norepinephrine, adrenaline, hormones that uh, numb our immune system and render them less able to work uh, mm-hmm. efficiently and crisply. If a person is in fight, flight, or freeze much of the time, then that's, that creates inflammation in the body. Just like wow. poor nutrition can create inflammation, uh, toxic stress also can create inflammation in the body. And, and so learning how to, I mean, it's important to have the sympathetic nervous system with the cortisol and the uh, norepinephrine and adrenaline light your body up if there's something very frightening that needs your attention now. If there's, sure. a, if, if there's a bear coming at you, then you want to be wide-eyed and awake, and you don't want to be having a discussion. You want to right. be right. heading for the nearest tree. Absolutely. And so, so it's a really important system, but it's meant to be turned on for short periods of time, not to be not to be what you're living in because you're sitting in traffic for hours a day or you're frustrated with what you're dealing with at work and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's part of your real purpose or value or helping you understand your value in life. So you you want to... um, Go ahead. ahead. A wise man once said, stress is resistance to what is. And Uh, um, I'm thinking that there are a lot of people in resistance right now to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and yeah. in like a 90 seconds or less, share with our listeners strategies to deal with our stress. Yeah. So I often, myself, and when I talk to patients, I encourage us to look for opportunities mm-hmm. for uh, the things that are stressful. Is there something in this for you that is an opportunity? Is there an opportunity in this current stress with the coronavirus, for example, to take your well-being and your nutrition to a whole different level so that you're not just reacting to this current threat, but actually improving the quality of your life, uh, the quality of your experience, and your connection with those you care about. I um, am not as much of a meditator as much as a contemplative, but I am learning uh, in recent, the last year or so, the value of just learning how to relax my mind and body and feeling the love and genuine connection of those I care about. Mm-hmm. What, what, what we know is that when you make a connection, when I make a connection with whether it's the postman 
or with a loved one or with uh-huh. a person we meet on the street, if we really let ourselves have a genuine connection with them, that turns off the fight or flight and turns on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is about connection and about relaxation and about healing. And that is a very different physiology. And that activates the immune system and also gives us, when we flood our bodies with love, with the hormones mm-hmm. of love and connection, oxytocin, norepinephrine, I mean, not nor, oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin, our bodies respond and our immune system lights up. Yeah, yeah. And we can make that connection over the telephone, um, in person six feet away or with an elbow bump. Um, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be the, the things that we're used to you know, the hugs and the close contact, um, right. except yep. maybe with our pets, because I think that's pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, this hour has really flown by, and I just want to mention your book again, because it is a fabulous book. I mean, it's, it's filled with inspirational stories. It's got wonderful scientific information. You're looking from that forest view, which I think is so important. And on top of that, it's um, it's it's well written and and it's enjoyable from cover to cover. The book is called Cured: The Life Changing Science of Spontaneous Healing. Uh, Jeffrey, I want to thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me here. It's really been a complete delight. Oh, and it's been so wonderful to have you here. And again, his website is d r j e f f r e y r e d i g e r dot com. Also, if you want to hear about my story of healing, you can go to christineupchurch.com and click on the, the sign-up-for-free bonus. I want to thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.